California. Perfect place to live, except for the earthquakes, the mega drought, the wildfires, and now the atmospheric rivers? The list of things to worry about just got a little longer. That's incoming on Today Explained. A tornado flew around my room before you came. Excuse the mess it made. It usually doesn't rain in Southern California, much like Arizona. My eyes don't shed tears, but body boy, when I'm thinking about you, who no no no. I've been thinking about you, you no no no. I've been thinking about you. Do you think about me still? Do you do you or do you not? Okay. Mint, mint, mint. Okay. You wouldn't pay $15 for a cold brew, and you'd never spend $250 to see a movie. So why are you paying so much for your cell phone plan? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless plans for $15 a month. That's Hey, Jimmy, honey, do you want pasta? Hey, Mom, I'm recording right now. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. Upfront payment of $45 required, equivalent to $15 a month. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, Jimbo, I'm going to heat up some pasta just in case, okay? You need your energy. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. Today Explained, Sean Ramos from Dan Brecky from KQED in San Francisco isn't a weatherman, but he, like many of his colleagues, has been reporting on the rain, the atmospheric rivers, and all the fallout in California. California is in the grips of a really historic surge of Pacific storms, and um, what makes it uh, doubly newsworthy, I think, is that maybe three to four weeks ago, nobody saw this coming. Pretty much the whole state right now is seeing unceasing rain. Really, if you looked at the midline of California on a map and north is where most of the rain has fallen. But really, this uh, series of storms, which started the day after Christmas, has touched every part of the state in, in some way or another. Well, President Biden has approved California's emergency declaration as the state braces for more severe weather. A new storm is hitting Northern California as southern parts of the state begin cleaning up and hopefully moving on from days of rough weather, which have also been deadly. Iconic coastal destinations across Santa Cruz County devastated in this week's storm. In Aptos, Seacliff State Beach Friday still littered with tree logs and debris with plenty of work and worry ahead. 
what we're seeing here in the Bay Area where I am. I'm actually located in Berkeley and uh, talking from home. You know, the rain is falling again today. Uh, my little backyard rain gauge is, is slowly filling up and uh, water is just running out of everywhere. You know, more rain, more flood, more mud, more cleanup. I'm just, <laughs> it's frustrating. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. You see it seeping out of people's yards. You see the, the creeks coming out of the hills here are just roaring with water. And then in other parts of the state, rivers are filling up. Our reservoirs are slowly rising. Luckily, really, that they're slowly rising at this point. And, um, and then there have been numerous places where, you know, the flooding has really impacted people's lives, uh, forced them from their homes, and in some cases, people have died. At least 17 people have died across California as a result of the storms. Tens of thousands remain under evacuation orders. Now, the past 15 days or so, we've gotten so much rain that the soil is probably super saturated. That creates all this runoff, but it also makes it much easier for trees to fall if there's a lot of wind. And these storms have often been accompanied by very high winds that have been pushing trees over. So in some cases, uh, people have been killed by falling trees. There was a case here in the Bay Area where a, a young child was killed when a, a tree fell onto his home. And uh, that's happened in other parts of the state too. Also, we have rivers in, the, in California that most of the time look very tame. Their tributaries, their tributary creeks look very tame. All of a sudden, they've become very wild and dangerous in some cases. And there is a, an incident down in central California uh, in just outside a town called Paso Robles, where a car was swept away with a mother and child inside of it. Um, rescuers were able to, to uh, get the mother to safety, but the child was lost. In addition to around 20 people dying in these storms, which gives us a sense of how grave this is, how much damage has been caused? Do we have any idea what the dollar amount is? I don't think we're even close to being able to assess that yet. I think it's too early to say what the, the cost is going to be, but the state has declared a state of emergency here. And that means the state government cuts all the red tape and makes it possible for all the you know cash the state has dedicated to a, a disaster like this, makes it flow faster, and gets any kind of uh, physical help out there, like uh, flood-fighting supplies, as the state likes to call them, out to communities. Angelo Martino and his nearly two-year-old son, Miles, are here at the Higgins Fire Protection District Station 21, one of the sites where Nevada County is offering free sandbags to residents. But I think it's going to take... Uh, weeks or months, really, before we have a dollar amount on uh, what this means for the state. And even when the rain stops, which it hasn't yet, there's still going to be an emergency. There's going to be landslides and, and mudslides and trees falling down. What's happening to all the people who need to be evacuated, who, who are on the ground still experiencing this? Unfortunately, you know, California is used to the kind of disaster where people are hurried out of their homes because of an imminent threat. People in these areas that have uh, been under mandatory evacuation orders um, are simply 
you know, doing what people have learned to do in these situations. There are evacuation centers that are set up that will uh, continue to be open while the emergency continues. Most people find some kind of workaround, which may mean crashing with family or friends or sometimes uh, even, you know, leaving for some other part of the state or country while this is going on until they can go back home. In some areas, evacuation orders have actually already been lifted, even though the threat of a flood is still very real up there. When the rain stops, the impact does not. We're being warned that because of the supersaturation we're seeing in the soils around here, that uh, trees will be falling for some days or even weeks. Mudslides are going to be possible for days or weeks. And so the storm has really uh, turned the state's highway network upside down. There is almost no way of getting between Northern and Southern California by road yesterday without encountering some uh, major uh, storm-caused delay or complete road closure. All right, take a look at this. This is a flooding on 101 in Gilroy. It is closed right now southbound at Mesa Road. Whoa, that is something you do not want to drive through. You just don't know. Do you think the state has learned something for the next time something like this happens? I think it, it has, but, you know, just stepping back a little, I mean, I know that there's a lot of interest in um, this phenomenon of atmospheric rivers, and there's been a lot of serious research into what the potential uh, worst-case scenario is for a a series of atmospheric rivers, similar to what we're seeing now. But what's happening now is is far from the worst case that's projected. And part of what the researchers are trying to do there is get the state's attention about what could happen if uh, serious measures, and measures that will cost tens of billions of dollars to take on this threat. I I do have to say that while there is some serious flood planning going on in parts of the Central Valley, uh, there has yet to be anybody at the state level who has said, you know what, we have to make this a major or primary state priority because of the economic threat and also because the communities that are most vulnerable to this are also largely disadvantaged communities, right? So there's a, a, a big equity question surrounding this as well. Because what if you don't spend those, say, $30 billion for flood fixes and developing new ways of managing flood water, right? You don't have to dam it all up or put up levees. You can create areas where the flood water can spread out. If you don't do that, then you may be facing a trillion-dollar disaster. It, it could be the most costly disaster in human history. Dan Brecky. KQED, momentarily, we'll hear from a researcher on how to avoid the most costly disaster in human history. Support for this episode comes from Mint Mobile. There's a lot to love about your cell phone. It gets you safely from point A to point B. It can capture some of life's most important memories. Hey, it even does cat memes. But when it comes to your cell phone bill, those warm and fuzzy feelings are nowhere to be found. Enter Mint Mobile. 
Enter mom. Knock, 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 knock. Honey, Jimbo, I'm coming in. Mom, you can't keep barging into my recording studio like this. <laughs> Honey, recording studio. You mean your bedroom? Oh, oh, it is a mess in here. Uh, time for a vacuum. Just quick, quick vacuum. Hey, can you just give me 10 minutes to finish this? What are you doing in here? What is a Mint Mobile? They do cell phone plans for $15 a month. Huh, well, that's too good to be true. I know a scam when I see one, honey. No, it's not a scam. Look here. Plans come with unlimited talk and text. And high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Oh, oh, that's something. Then I'd have to get a new phone, though, and put all my numbers in there. Uh, that's too much work. Forget it. No, Mom, you can keep your phone and all your contacts with any Mint Mobile plan. It's really easy. Huh. Same number? Yeah, same number. Okay, so I'm just gonna finish this ad oh, now. Pretend I'm not even here. Not even here. You're standing between me and the computer. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. Upfront payment of $45 required. Equivalent to $15 a month. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Mom, the vacuum! The vacuum! You never call. That's because I live here, Mom. <laughs> Support for Today Explained comes from Ramp. This ad goes out to all the finance professionals looking for love. I'm just kidding. Looking for a better way to simplify business finance across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting. And to all the accountants tired of the same old finance software, Ramp may be the answer you've been looking for. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. So what does that mean? Well, according to Ramp, they give finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending. Issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions. Automate expense reporting so you don't waste time. Ramp says its accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so that you don't have to. That could put an end to chasing down receipts and to your employees spending hours submitting expense reports. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions do apply. Excuse the mess it made, it usually doesn't rain in Southern California, much like Arizona. Today Explained is back. Dan's gone, but we got his neighbor, Peter. I'm Peter Glick. I'm the co-founder and senior fellow at the Pacific Institute in Oakland, California. And I'm a hydrologist and climatologist by training. And are you in Oakland, Peter? The Institute's in Oakland. I'm actually in my home in Berkeley at the moment. And how are things at your home in Berkeley at the moment? They're pretty good. Uh, my backyard is flooded and my basement's a little bit wet, but uh, I'm much better off than many people around the state at the moment. You know, we started the show with a guy named Dan Brecky who works for KQED in California. I believe he also lives in Berkeley. And the first thing he said was a lot of people in California didn't see this coming. Did you see it coming, Peter? I saw it coming, <laughs> but I'm paying attention to these things. Climate and water is, is my thing. The good news is that our weather forecasting systems today are remarkably good. There was warning that these storms were forming in the Pacific and on their way really uh, weeks ago. And the forecasts have been very accurate. So uh, it was possible to see these things coming. But of course, extreme events are sometimes a surprise to people and, and we're not always prepared. I don't want to blame the people, but, but if you saw this coming weeks ago 
and there was forecasting and all the like. Did 18 people need to die? Did did billions of dollars in damage need to occur in the state of California? You know, California, like most of, most of the world, is vulnerable to extreme events. We have wet years. We have dry years. We've had very long periods of drought. We've had extreme rain rainfall and flooding events. Uh, it's impossible to prevent all floods, all extreme events. It's impossible to prevent all death and destruction. Uh, California, like, again, many parts of the world, has spent a lot of time and money trying to prepare for these kinds of extreme events. But some of these things are unpreventable. You can't prevent the worst things from happening all the time. Uh, and the hope is that we learn lessons from what we experience and we figure out how to prevent damages and deaths from occurring in the future. Tell me more about that. Is this a once-in-a-lifetime storm or is this going to be happening with more regularity in the future? Well, we're in the middle of it, so we don't yet know whether it's a once-in-a-lifetime event. If it keeps raining, you know, the forecast again is for several more weeks of wet. Uh, the rainy season in California runs from October until April, and then we have a dry season. Uh, so in theory, we could get storms in the rest of January and February and March. If that continues to happen, this could be a once-in-a-lifetime event. Uh, conversely, it could dry up and it could the storms could disappear. We just don't know yet. But we do know that extreme events happen. And we also know, unfortunately, that extreme events are more likely now because of human-caused climate change. We're, we're already seeing the influence of climate change on these kinds of extreme events. And that's going to continue to happen. And and how will the state of California be more prepared in the future? Or how could it be more prepared? For floods in general, we have already built a lot of infrastructure. We've built big reservoirs to store water during wet periods to control floods. We build levees alongside rivers to try and protect developments very close to big rivers that have the risk of flooding. Those kinds of infrastructure bring great benefits to us. They capture storm floods. They prevent certain kinds of, of flooding events in floodplains, but they can't prevent all damages. And so in the future, we have to both understand what's going to be delivered by nature. We have to understand the nature of how climate change is influencing these extreme events. We have to look at infrastructure that we have. We have to think about maybe managing that infrastructure differently or building different kinds of infrastructure and we have to think about how to move people out of areas that are at risk. It seems like there are a lot of areas at risk, though. Yeah, well, that's true. Again, it depends on the kind of extreme events we're talking about. In terms of droughts, which we've had for the last many years, the whole state is at risk of water shortages. In terms of floods, the areas most at risk are floodplains, the areas that would flood when rivers overtop their banks, when they spread out. Uh, lots of areas are at risk, and we have to understand what's at risk, what's going to be at greater risk in the future, and how to protect the populations that are in those vulnerable areas. Does California have some experience with this, with like massive relocation and 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 huge infrastructure spending to prepare for this kind of weather event? Well, there are extreme events in the past that give us some hints of what we're vulnerable to. And maybe the best example is uh, in 1861 in December, of 1861, more than 160 years ago, it started to rain. And then it continued to rain in January with massive storms coming off the Pacific. And in what some describe as really a mega storm, the entire Central Valley of California 
flooded. Rivers rose to 20 or 30 feet over their banks. Millions of acres were flooded. Thousands of people were killed. Hundreds of thousands of cattle and sheep were killed. Telegraph lines that had just been installed that connected the West Coast with the East Coast were destroyed. A quarter of the state's economy was wiped out. Huh? That is sort of the classic megastorm that we know can occur and that we think may occur again uh, and that we're really not prepared for. The estimate is that if a similar storm occurred today, it would be the worst disaster in California's history. It would cause a trillion dollars worth of damages, not billions of dollars of damages, but a trillion dollars worth of damages. Thousands of people would probably die. Uh, You know, in 1860s, the population of California was about 500,000. It's 80 times larger now. It's 40 million people. And the, the population at risk, the developed infrastructure that's at risk is much greater today than it was then. So what do you do? I mean, how do you avoid that kind of cataclysmic damage? How do you move thousands of people and and avoid trillions of dollars in damage? The bad news is we don't. The bad news is if that kind of event were to happen, uh, it, a lot of the damages that we see here would be unavoidable. The reservoirs that we've built for flood control wouldn't be enough. The levees that we have built for flood protection in, in, in floodplains wouldn't be enough. And there would be extensive damage today. The, the question really might be, what do we need to do to at least reduce the damages that would occur? And there are things that we could do, but we're not doing them at the moment. So the first thing we need to do is we need to reoperate the reservoirs that we've already built. The backbones of California's water supply are the six mega-reservoirs, Shasta, Oroville, Trinity, New Malonis, Don Pedro, and San Luis. You know, we have these reservoirs. We want to keep them empty in the winter so that for flood storage, we want them as full as possible at the end of the wet season for water supply for the dry parts of the year and for droughts. Back on November the 8th, the state's six biggest mega reservoirs were 33% full. In normal years, they would have been 54% full, but the drought kept them low. We have to learn to operate those reservoirs a little bit differently. We have to pay more attention to the models that tell us that we're going to get these storms off the Pacific. It's going to take more than this to get us out of uh, the hole we've dug ourselves. Probably the most important thing we could do is move development and and populations, to the extent possible, out of floodplains. And across this area, hundreds of people requiring rescue. Houses engulfed, they had to be uh, plucked out of their cars as well. One person dying in his vehicle. They're called floodplains for a reason. They're called floodplains because they flood when we get incredibly severe events. But we built levees that channel these rivers And then we built developments right up against the edge of these levees without accepting that levees fail. Over time, we need to move populations out of these floodplains to the extent possible and let the rivers flood to some degree. The good news there is that if rivers flood more, we can actually recharge groundwater. We can store more floodwaters in groundwater that's already overtapped. That's good for water supply. It's good for preventing some of these floods from occurring. But it's a difficult policy decision. It's a difficult economic decision. It's going to require changes in the way we manage development in California. 
And people certainly don't like giving up their real estate in other parts of the country. California real estate, even more expensive, even more precious, some of the most expensive real estate in the country, we can assume people aren't going to want to relocate, right? Absolutely. That's, that's a political challenge and it's an economic challenge. But, but think about it this way. Uh, if you live in a floodplain and you have flood insurance and a big flood occurs, you get a payment for the damages that, are, that have occurred and you often rebuild in the exact same spot. Let's change our flood insurance policies, first of all, to prevent new development in floodplains. But second of all, if you're damaged during a flood, let's, let's pay for those damages, but let's prohibit people from rebuilding in the same place. Let them rebuild, but somewhere else. If flood insurance policies permitted that, then over time, we would see what's called managed retreat from those vulnerable areas. Instead of rebuilding and reflooding over and over and over again, we could rebuild in other places and over time, restore those floodplains to more natural conditions. But this is kind of a wish list you're furnishing right now. This isn't what's happening. This is what ought to happen to be better prepared so fewer people die, so we have less damage. I would say it's smart flood planning rather than dumb flood planning. It's time to change from a, a philosophy that we can manage and prevent these floods to one where we have to learn how to live with them. We have to learn how to accept the kinds of extreme events we're getting and reduce the consequences of them. And it sounds like you're not just talking about California anymore. No. What's true in California is true everywhere. You know, we get extreme events in California. We have floods, we have droughts, we have to deal with we have to deal with them. But look at the horrible flooding that occurred this year in Pakistan. 30 million people were dislocated from their homes, and even today months afterwards, many of those places are still flooded. Look at the heat extreme heat events that have swept over Europe over the last few years. The floods and droughts that are sweeping over Australia one after another. These kinds of extreme events we're, we're seeing globally. California may be a place where we can explore some smart policies, and maybe we can learn lessons from other parts of the world as well. My preference would be that we don't wait for the mega flood. We don't wait for the mega disasters to take the lessons of these lesser disasters, that we learn from existing droughts and existing floods and we implement these policies now. If we wait for the mega flood like 1861 and 1862, thousands of people are gonna be killed. The economy is gonna be crushed. But if we learn from the kinds of events we're experiencing now and start to implement these policies to move people out of risky areas, to manage the reservoirs differently, to deal with droughts differently, then the consequences of the really, really bad events will be less than they otherwise would be. That's Peter Glick. He lives in Berkeley, but he works in Oakland, the Pacific Institute in Oakland, to be specific. This installment of Today Explained was produced by Siona Petros and Hadi Mawagdi, Afim Shapiro mixed and mastered, Laura Bullard fact-checked, Matthew Collette edited from Oakland. He's really sad the rain isn't over yet. Take care, California.
Okay, let's see here. I think this plugs in here and we'll just, whatever, we'll just, okay, record. Okay. Support for this episode of Today Explained came from Mint Mobile. Oh, this isn't so hard. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month when you purchase three months. That's a good deal. Um, and at Mint, families start at just two lines, unlike other providers who make you buy four or five lines to get the best rate. Goodness me, two lines. And here we are still paying for Jimbo's bill. What are you doing in here? This is my room. Uh, nothing, nothing. I'm doing nothing. Wait a minute, are you recording? You're, are you uh, recording? I, I'm almost done. Just, just let me finish. I'm on a roll. Okay. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash explained. Upfront payment of $45 required, equivalent to $15 a month. Right, that's 15 times three. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Oh, woo! <laughs> okay, that was actually pretty good.